God is powerful. And we're going to talk about that this morning. We're in a series called Knowing God. And uh, if I've never had the privilege of meeting you, my name's Scott, and I get to be the pastor here at Novation and excited about what, what God's doing in our midst and in our community. But this series has really touched my heart. I get the, the privilege of preparing this every week and digging into scripture and, and to see how big God is and in, in how he wants to have a relationship with us. You need to know that today. God doesn't want you to just know about him, have facts and theology right. He wants you to, to know him intimately. And that's the invitation for all of us today. Regardless of where you're at in your journey with understanding God, you can know more about God today and know that he knows everything about you and wants to have a relationship with you. So that's the beauty of this. So we've been looking at the attributes of God and these attributes of God are true of him, not true of us. God is all knowing. God is all ever present. He's present everywhere and he is all powerful we're going to talk about today. And I truly believe this, that every problem that I have and I'll go out on a limb and say every problem that you probably have or have had to deal with in your life has stemmed from a faulty understanding of who God is and his attributes and character. You could trace it back. I can trace it back in my life. And, and the, the things that, problems that I have in my, in my life, the, the more I, I get to know God, the, the smaller those problems actually become because I see how, how big he is. Think about it. This God that, that created the universe, this vastness that we have, it, can he not provide for your needs? This all-powerful God that spoke the universe into being. It makes our checkbooks look a little silly in line, comparison to that. You follow what I'm saying? And it's important that we... We have this understanding about God. One of the things that have, has really impacted me in my life is this. Life creates problems. How many figured that out? Life creates problems. Problems create pain. Emotional pain and physical pain. Problems, pain. So the amount of pain that I experience from my problem always stems from my perspective. If, if this problem in my life is this huge, huge, huge deal and, and whatever it is, you can fill in whatever problem has happened to you, the bigger it is, the more amount of pain I have. But if my perspective is in line with God and, and who he is and what he's promised, then I don't experience as much pain. It's not as big a deal. And I believe that is so practical for each one of our lives today. You're going through things. There's pain in this room. There's issues. There's troubles. Now let's line it up with who God has said he is and what we see revealed in Scripture. So we're going to talk about activating God's power in our lives today. It says in Revelation 19.6, it says, Then I heard again what sounded like the shout of a vast crowd or the roar of mighty ocean waves or the crash of a loud thunder. Praise the Lord. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. The Almighty. What that means, that God is Almighty, it means that He's all-powerful. That God is all-powerful 
in our lives and that he's the almighty. The New King James Version says that same verse this way. It says, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as the sound of many waters, as the sound of mighty thundering saying, Alleluia, which means praise the Lord. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. So God's omnipotence, which means simply that he's all-powerful, is, means that he's almighty. So he's almighty God. He wants us to get that today. So that our lives line up with who he says he is. Omnipotence means that God's all-powerful and he, to do what he wants and wills to do. So God is all-powerful to do what he wants and what he wills to do. Jeremiah the prophet said this. He said, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. What a great passage of scripture to understand. Nothing's too difficult for God. Now sometimes people come up with some questions about God. We all have questions for God and about God. Sometimes they get a little silly though. Like, have you heard this in your philosophy class? If God's all-powerful, then can he make a rock that he can't pick up? Have you ever heard that one before? Um, no. I mean, the, 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 those kind of questions that, that we're trying to put God in some sort of theological pretzel um, really fall short because those things, that, that in itself saying, is God powerful enough to make a rock that he can't move? Well, that's self-contradicting in itself. However... There are questions that are legitimate questions. I hear them all the time, and so do you. If God's all-powerful, then why is there poverty in the world? He could snap his fingers, boom, and solve it all, right? We've thought that. Many in this room wrestle with that question. If God's really good and all-powerful, then, then if he's both, why is there evil and suffering in the world? Why do people have to go through the things that they go through? When we just... Many of you know we just got back from the Dominican Republic. And we saw poverty that blew my mind. I'd never seen poverty at that level where how the conditions that people were living in. It was very eye-opening. And I thought, man, why is it that people suffer like this? Well, I, you know, I, not to sound too brash about it, but the reason there's poverty in the world is because we don't feed people. Mankind is, is guilty. It's not, God has instructed us how to live and to love him and to love our neighbor. When the earthquake happened in Haiti, which is, shares the island with the Dominican Republic, there was food and resources sent to Haiti. And there's, people were telling us that, that even the, the Haitian pastors got corrupt. And they started realizing that they had all this food and they could have some power to be able to, to, you know, to control things. So the heart of man is really ultimately the problem. Our hearts. And, and so we need, we can influence people. And, and I read a statistic one time that if, if all people who said they were Christians gave 10%, you could solve world hunger in two weeks. Two weeks it would be done. Everybody would have food. So... We, we need to take a look at, at that and take a look at ourselves sometimes. But when you think about suffering and evil, what has God done about it? Well, phase one of God ending suffering and evil happened at the cross. Phase one of God's plan happened when Jesus came, was, was born as the babe in the manger, grew up as a man, died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and he's coming again. And that's phase two. 
Phase two of God obliterating suffering and evil and all of that is, is, is coming. And so in this life, we're going to have struggles. We're going to have suffering. But we have the promises of God to, to, to walk in. A lot of people stumble with that. Let's be honest. A lot of people stumble with this idea of suffering. There was a book that came out about, I don't know, I want to say at least 10 years ago, called Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? If you read scripture, there's a, there's a problem in the premise title of that book to start with anyway, and we can talk about that later. But uh, it was written by a guy named Rabbi Kushner. And this rabbi, it, it's, it's a good book, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's trying to answer a question that we all want to have answered to some degree. And the reason he wrote the book was his son died from a very weird disease. His son caught a disease that made him age really rapidly. And so to watch his, his kids suffer made him begin to question God. Is God really good? Is God really all-powerful? And the conclusion of the book is, yeah, God is he's good, but he's not all-powerful. And therefore, we're stuck in this world of you know, hoping and wishing evil away rather than understanding who God is. Listen, if God's not all-powerful, then there really is no hope. Evil's going to ultimately win out. But we know what Scripture says. R scripture says Romans, in Romans 8, 28, that God works together for the good, all things together for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. So God can take even evil and suffering and work it for a greater purpose and a greater plan even when we don't see it. That's important today. You're going through something in your life right now. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you've had a financial problem, a health problem, and you're going, why is this happening to me? You know, I, I don't know. And sometimes I've had to, to come to a conclusion, say, I don't know why things happen the way they do. But I do know that promise that God will work it for your good is there for you today. He can work it for good. He doesn't call evil good, but he can work it for good. There is a sovereign plan of God. One of these things we're going to talk about in this series is God's sovereignty. That God really is in control. And that's a, that's a, a, a different day. But you remember Joseph. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, there was a man named Joseph. He was one of the sons of Jacob. And he had found great favor with his, his dad and he had found great favor with God, but his brothers didn't like him. And so Joseph is sold into slavery to go be a slave to the Egyptians. And you read this towards the end of the book of Genesis. And all these bad things keep happening to Joseph along the way. He's, he's sold into prison and he, he gets uh, falsely accused for, for coming on to the, the king's wife and on and on and on and in, in different things that happen to him. And towards the end of his story... Uh, his brothers are before him and he reveals to him that, that he is, you know, he's their brother, long lost brother Joseph. And they think now that he's in power that he's going to throw the book at him. Instead he has mercy on him. And he said, what you intended for evil, God meant for good. And so that, that's, all, that's that Romans 8.28 in that verse coming together in a perfect crescendo. That God is going to work the bad things in our life for good. Now, if, I guarantee along the way, Joseph had prayed over and over and over, God, deliver me. God, do this. God, do that. The same way you're praying for God to change your circumstances, for God to change your situation. And Joseph, at the end of 
of this story is looking back saying, God, thank you that you didn't answer my prayers the way I wanted them to be. Thank you that you had a sovereign plan, a bigger plan than what I could ever think or imagine. That's true for you today. Please grab that. It's true for you. Whatever you're going through, of course, we don't like the difficulties. We don't like the issues, the struggles, the problems, the pain that it causes. But if you can get that perspective that God is all-powerful and he's in control and he, because he's all-powerful, he can work it for good and will work it for good. It's an issue of faith and it's an issue of trust. So those questions are there. But there, there's one more question I want to answer, and this is on your notes. Are there things that God can't do? Are there things that God can't do? There's four things that I found in Scripture that God can't do. First of all, he cannot deny himself. It says in 2 Timothy 2.13. Put that Scripture up for me. It says, if we're faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny or disown himself. And all of these things that God can't do, you're going to find are actually very comforting. God can't lie, Titus 1-2. God cannot lie. Go ahead and put that verse up. It says, in the hope of eternal life, which God who does not lie promised before the beginning of time. So God can't lie. He can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone with evil. God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt us. James chapter 1, verse 13 says, God can't be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. And lastly, he can't change who he is. His basic nature and character, Numbers chapter 23, says that God, you know, God is not a human that he should lie, a human being that he should change his mind. So God doesn't change who he is or change his mind. That's important for us to understand. So if this is true these things are true of God, then when can I count on God's power? Let's write, write this one down. You can count on God's power when you're tired. When you're tired. I see you out there this morning. You're, it's been a week of work and kids and life and struggles, whatever it is you've been through. And, and, and to make it on a Sunday morning, you're tired. Life, people go, go, go all the time, man. It's from here to here to here to here. We go, we go, we go. Can I just get some sleep? Can I just get some rest? And we're running on gas tanks that are almost on empty. Boop, your fuel light is constantly. I was thinking about this. Now that I'm older, I don't do this. But back in high school, probably our younger drivers in here can relate to this. Maybe you do this too. But you remember when you used to drive around on like an eighth of a tank all the time? Back when gas has come down a little bit in price, which I appreciate that. But back in the day, you put in two bucks, man. That got me an eighth of a tank. I could get around back and forth from school for a while on a couple bucks. That was, those were the good, good old days where you could rely on that. Listen, emotionally and spiritually, you can't rely on an eighth of a tank. You can't rely. You're, you need to be refilled with God. And, and to understand some things about God's power. Have you ever thought about this? God doesn't sleep. He never takes a nap. I can't wait to take a Sunday afternoon nap today. But he never takes a nap. He doesn't get tired. That's not, not in who he is. Man, I want to activate that kind of power in my life. Isaiah 40, verse 28 says, Do you not know, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. 
He gives strength, strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord or wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So you can count on God's power when you're tired. You can also count on God's power when you're weak, when you feel weak. Write that down. When you're weak, when you feel inadequate. I think there's times in our life we face our own inadequacies, our own weakness where, man, I feel inadequate as a husband. I feel inadequate as a father. I feel inadequate on the job. I feel inadequate every week to stand before you and, and bring God's work, a word to, to you. It's like, ah, who am I, man? I know the peon that I am. And, and, and yet uh, the inadequacy that's there and, and learning to depend upon the power of the Lord in life. God's made an, a great promise in Scripture. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 13, he had some sort of infirmity in his life, whether it was emotional or physical, we're not 100% sure. We, the people make some good guesses about it. But he shares his inadequacy. He shares his weakness in that he said he prayed three times to the Lord to remove this thorn in the flesh. And he said that, that each time God responded to him. God, God didn't remove, the, change his circumstances or remove it. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect and weakness. That's a great promise. If you feel inadequate today, then God's power can be made perfect in your weakness. Whatever you feel weak about in your calling in life or what you're doing in life or your responsibilities, man, you have God's power there for you. And he doesn't just make up for your inadequacies. He gives you power to live life. Sometimes we, we fail in our temptations. Not sometimes, a lot. We fail in our temptations. Uh, Paul, in the book of Romans, he says, The things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. You know, and he says, he says, For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. He's got a, a struggle going on there. But Paul finishes strong and he says, Who will rescue me from this body of sin? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, we can have the victory. And it's important that we understand that. So we can have his power when we're weak, when we're tired, when we're weak. And then lastly, when I hurt. When you and I hurt, we can have his power. I know there's lots of pain in this room. There's failed marriages. There's grief. There's pressures. There's physical pain that people are going through. You need to know that you can depend upon God's power when you hurt. Exodus chapter 15 verse 26. God told the children of Israel that I'm the Lord who heals you. You know that's one of the names of God is Jehovah Rophe. And uh, that means I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm your healer. And, and physical healing is one of those strange things that obviously if you watch too much Christian TV, which I don't recommend, but, uh, but sorry, it's a whole other story there, but, but the, you know, there's this 
theology that people buy into sometimes that just if you pray this formula or say this or do this perfectly that God always heals. That's that's not reality. Miracles are miracles because they don't happen all the time. God can do miracles, obviously. And does God heal? Yes. The how and the when is always up to him. It's not up to you and I to Name it and claim it and force it and do all this and that. I mean, we have to have an understanding that we should seek and pray about everything. God wants us to pray about everything. But, but the how and the wind of, he, of healing is up to him. And today, if you're not a Christian today, you know, we as, as followers of Jesus do have promises that we can go to God for healing when we hurt. If you're not a Christian, I was thinking about this, who do you go to? When you hurt. I know I can run to God. And I'm not saying this in a way that I'm better than you. By no means. But by faith I can go to God. And I would encourage everybody in this room. That you're not sure about God. You're not sure about Jesus. Run to him. Come to him. Come to him today. And say you know what. I don't have all the answers. But Lord I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe you. I need you as a savior. And I want to follow you. As Lord. You know, there's unanswerable questions in life. And Jesus didn't ask us to answer the unanswerable questions. Why is there suffering? Why is there this? I mean, we could come up with our best answers, but He did ask two things that you can't answer Who do you say I am, and and will you follow me? That's what He's asking all of us today. You may not have all the answers to everything else, but you can answer that one. And he wants us to answer that. That, that as his disciples said, that you're the, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God, you're the Messiah, you're the one we need and are looking for. And yeah, I'm going to follow you, Lord. I'm going to make you the Lord and teacher of my life to follow you. So how do we activate this power in our lives? How do we activate God's power in our life? We don't have to live powerless lives. But God's power is not automatic in each one of our lives. It's not automatic just because we believe. There is a, uh, we, we have to activate it. God has set it up in a way that if we by faith will come to him and how God has told us uh, to activate his power, we put it into practice. That's what I want to talk about. There's so many Christians that li- live very defeated lives. That doesn't mean you're exempt, that we're exempt to suffering or exempt to difficulties, but we live defeated because, again, that perspective is out of whack. So the first thing I would tell you is this. You need acceptance. You need acceptance. And acceptance is this. We need to admit we're powerless in ourselves. We're powerless in ourselves. Do you realize... I might step on some toes here a little bit, but do you realize that you were powerless to believe the gospel in yourself? If you believe today, it's because the power of God opened your eyes to be able to see the truth in Scripture. You didn't do anything to to earn or to believe. He had to actually raise you spiritually from the dead. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says that we were dead in our trespasses. We couldn't believe. But God did that miracle in your life. If you believe today, he caused you to believe. That's an awesome thing. And it's very humbling to to realize that, that we were powerless. And today you're thinking, I don't know if I believe. Can Can he do that for me? Cry out to him. 
We see that over and over in Scripture. Cry out to him. Say, God, open my eyes that I can see, that I can believe, that I can go deeper in my, in my faith with you. It says in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's powerful. Let's, let's, let's uh, dissect that a little bit. If you'd leave that verse up for a moment. He's opposed to the proud. The word opposed means that when, when I'm self-sufficient, when I'm trying to do life in my own strength, guess what happens? I become God's opponent. I don't want to be God's opponent. God's 59 billion trinity, trinity, trillion, blah, 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 and oh, God's never lost anything. And he always wins. I don't want to be God's opponent. I want to, I want to be come alongside God and have him pour out his grace. So those of us that set ourselves up that I can do this, I can do life all on my own, I don't need God, eh, says he's opposed to the proud. But look at this beauty. It says he gives grace to the humble. You know what grace really is? Grace is the power to do what you could never do on your own. It's the power to do what you could never do in your own strength. It's that favor of God, unmerited, undeserved favor of God, the power of God to do what you could never do on your own. We need grace for everything. We need grace for every area, every relationship of our lives. So if you feel powerless today, you know what you should do? Admit it. God, I'm powerless. I prayed that driving over here. God, you're the creator. I'm the creation. And let's never get that out of whack. We didn't create anything. God created us. And when we keep ourselves positioned in that humility, those who, who say, God, I, I can't do this, you're going to receive grace and power from God to do life. Second thing you need is allegiance. We need acceptance, and then we need allegiance. That means we need to be consistently connected to the source. He's the power source. And so when the word allegiance is uh, it's to align ourselves with each other. When you're allies. When people, have, you know, somebody, they swear allegiance to each other in marriage or whatever, they're aligning themselves together. God never goes anywhere. He, we, you know, he doesn't ever leave us. We're the ones that unplug from the source. He's the power source. Have you ever noticed that things don't work very well when they're not plugged in? You tried to make toast this morning, and you got mad at the toaster. What's wrong with this thing? Hey, honey, I think we need a new toaster. Did you try plugging it in? Oh, my bad. Plug it in, right? And then you can actually make toast. So things actually work better when they're, when they're plugged in. It's important that we understand that. Um, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to give you a, a visual illustration, if you will. This is one of these, have you ever seen these little power outage lights? It's a flashlight. So there's zero power right now because to make it work... You gotta, gotta wind it up here. Ooh, this one's really dead. This might be a bad illustration. Do to do, right? That's kind of like life. Maybe that actually is a great illustration. I, if I need power right now, it's flickering just a teeny bit. And I wanna try to make this work, but 
after a while, you wind this up even for an hour, it doesn't give you a whole lot of charge. It gives you enough to maybe have five minutes, ten minutes worth, and you got to... And that's many of our lives, are, we're trying to do this. Oh, God, I'm going to work harder. Oh, God, I'm going to do this. God, I'm going to do that. And we get this little flicker of light, but we don't get the power that God really wants us to have. Let me give you a better illustration of what we need to do. It's like Tim Allen in Home Improvement, more power, right? Ooh. Did you guys forget Home Improvement? Greatest show ever. So I have... I can use my little peewee light there and ooh, go over and over and over and try to make it work. Or we can, we can plug into the power source. I'm going to be nice and not shine that in your eyes. But when you're, when you're doing life and you're, you're following Jesus and, and you're trying in your own strength, I want you to think of this. Okay, I'll just turn this more and more this week. I'll, I'll try harder. Or we can go to what Jesus has told us to do. And we can abide in the vine. We can draw life from him. On a daily basis, you and I need to be charged and recharged. You charge your phone overnight. Otherwise, you're frustrated when you, can't, you don't have your phone during the day. So there's just enough charge so that you can use it. And then you got to recharge. We need to do that in our lives. We need to go back to the source. We need to go abide in Jesus and draw life from him and and. and, and Spend time in his word and spend time in his promises and hang out with him and build a relationship with him so that we can be connected to the power source. Important that we understand that today. You can turn those lights back on for me. Thank you so much. But we unplug ourselves from the source by the bad choices that we make. I unplug myself from the source when I make selfish, self-centered decisions that are not putting God and others first. And I'm not drawing life and I'm not drawing power the way God wants me to. Today, are you, are you connected to him? Are you aligned with Jesus by faith? Have you committed yourself to him? He's committed to you. He's done everything. All he does is ask today is, would you align yourself? Would you, would you put your allegiance in me and trust me? I'll be there for you every step of the way. Then thirdly, we need to activate his power. We need assurance. We need assurance. We need to courageously face our fears in the future. We activate God's power when we accept that we're powerless, when we align ourselves with him, and then when we have the assurance about what the future holds, when we have the assurance by faith of what God is going to do in and through our lives and that we can set our fears to the side and gaze upon who he is and who he's promised to be. It says in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we cannot see. The person walking in faith and assurance is walking in power. They're walking in the power of God. I tell you this today, don't give in to fear and anxiety. So much temptation for us is to not believe God, is to not, you know, have his power in our life because we're given into fear and we're given into anxiety. Listen, God's power is going to destroy death. 
And that's something everybody kind of fears a little bit. I know we don't, we, we that you, you're assured you're going to heaven. You say, well, I'm not afraid to die. Well, sometimes we're afraid of how we're going to die. Or I don't want to go through this. Or I don't want to go through that. Here's the bottom line. God is going to destroy death, ultimately. God's going to destroy the devil. God's going to, in his powers, all disease is going to be done. There's no sickness, no sorrow, no disease, no colds. No pulled muscles in heaven. Hallelujah for that, man. But there's none of that in heaven. And we can, we can have that assured of us. And some, sometimes you might think to yourself, Scott, that's wishful thinking. That's a placebo. That's a placebo that gets me through this life. Listen, the God who cannot lie is the one who made that promise. That he's going to do this. That he's going to destroy. He can't lie. He's the one that promised that. He is guaranteeing our future. It's hard to believe sometimes. Sometimes just the way life is, it's a little, little hard to believe. And I, I put some scriptures there. Ephesians 1, 11 through 23 and in chapter 3 are two prayers that Paul prays for the believers at Ephesus which apply for us today. And I want to encourage you as a homework to go pray those prayers consistently over your life and pray them this week. But in that chapter 1, Paul says that the Holy Spirit was given to us. As a deposit guaranteeing our future. Guaranteeing what's to, to come. So sometimes the word deposit might not be uh, the best word in some of our modern translations. Because we can think of a deposit as, you know, I put a deposit down on, on, a, on my apartment in case I had to default on my rent. Or we ruin the carpet. Or we do, it's some sort of payment thing. The better understanding of that Holy Spirit being the deposit guaranteeing is he's the first installment. He's the first down payment, if you will, of God's promise for what's going to happen for us in the future. So let's get to know him. So I would, I would ask you this this morning. What are you struggling with? I want you to know God cares for you. God's all powerful to meet your needs and he's all powerful to work all these circumstances for your good. The answer to whatever you're struggling with is worship. Get your eyes off your problem and put your eyes on the person of Jesus. We need to get our eyes off this problem that seems so big at the time. But, but line it up in, in the size of God and who he is and who he's promised to be for each, each one of us. It's important that we, that we do that. So we're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to finish with two songs. And... My encouragement to you is that you would respond to the all-powerful God. That's part of activating his power in your life is by singing. And when we sing of who he is and we sing of the truth of who he is, he begins to work in our, in our lives. So let's stand to our feet this morning.